Alright, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome back to the Bizzles commentary for Disney Plus's Hawkeye Season 1, Episode 2, Hide and Seek. No long intros this time, gonna count you right in, I hope you enjoyed the first one. Had a lot to get out, uh, both in the long intro, which I hope you listened to and enjoyed, um, as well as sort of big picture stuff during the episode. Um, but from here on out, I'm gonna really focus more on what's going on on screen, uh, specifically with our lead two actors and the excellent, excellent supporting cast. Um, just a quick little spiel here. So what you're going to want to do is queue up to zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds on your Disney+. Plus. I'm going to count from three to two to one. I'm going to say go. At that point, we'll hit go together. I'm going to do a 10 count um, for the first 10 seconds to make sure we're aligned. And uh, I'm... Uh, once again, uh, watching it um, on the big screen with subtitles, but recording on my Mac, so I need to make sure that's aligned. At about 10 seconds, we get the uh, big explosion of the building as we get the um, recap from episode one, which is a recap of Avengers uh, 2012. Um, and uh, her seeing Hawkeye and uh, <laughs> falling into superhero love with him to say the least uh, and her um, worship bordering on uh, obsession is something we'll, we'll talk about as this goes on um, Haley makes it such a lovable characteristic uh, but it's uh, pretty intense um, and uh, maybe he's going to get them into some trouble um, as usual I suggest subtitles um, and then at that point you can put as much audio on as you want usually good to put a little ambient on five to ten percent to get the great music and sound effects and a little bit of the dialogue um just depends how you want to balance it with uh the commentary um uh, my commentary and what's going on on screen so i'll leave that up to you so take any time now uh, you need to get drinks bathroom queue it up to zero 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 on disney plus um again i'm gonna count from three to two to one to say go and then i'll count us up to ten to make sure we are aligned and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun with this one um, um, we're now four episodes in. Um, I'm recording this um, early on Friday, December 10th. Um, and uh, really, it does truly be getting better in each episode. Um, the first episode um, was a little bit weirdly paced. Uh, this is the first really, really good episode. Uh, and three or four are, are truly excellent. I can't wait to do those as well um, and get those out to you. Um, and the final note is... Uh, I don't know when I'll be recording each one, um, but they will be um, all finished um, and released shortly after the sixth and final episode airs. Um, so if you are listening to this post all six episodes, they should all be up, and I hope you download and enjoy them all, spread the word to your friends. Uh, but I think a lot of people, um, including and especially non-Marvel superfans, are really watching and enjoying this show. Um, the actors are doing a great job. So queue up, get ready to go, and here comes the countdown. Three, two, one, and go. There's this deed. One, two, three, four, five, six. Here's the recap. Seven, eight, nine, ten. There's the explosion. Recapping very quickly and effectively why she is so infatuated with Hawkeye, having saved her and then seeing his heroics during the Battle of New York. Here's Renner doing one of the things he does great, which is being a family man. And he's absolutely tormented uh, by having to get rid of his Ronin murderous past somehow so he can be with his family. There, the character who plays Jack, um, uh, whose name I don't have in front of me, is really excellent and is doing a great job of making us both like and hate him and clearly be suspicious, but he seems so genuine with, with uh, Mrs. Bishop. His name is Tony Dalton. He was in Better Call Saul, apparently, quite a bit. Right. Mom guilting her with their wealth. The f Apologize if I'm a little congested. Just got some work done on my sinuses. Trying to fight through here. Right. Mother, she hates the butterscotch. I can't seem to figure that quite out yet. Yeah, there's the Ronin. Interesting that, yeah, here he is, the shot from Endgame. Um, and, uh, you know, they've been. Um, They've been not teasing, uh, you know, they've been showing Natasha without showing Natasha. Um, and um, just to. 
tease uh, the commentary for episode four, we finally see Natasha and him start to deal with it by confiding in Kate, which I don't think he ever really thought he would do. There we go. I keep getting to look if... I think, yeah, I think on the V there towards the end, we get Kate Bishop, which is awesome. Awesome seeing Haley Steinfeld in Marvel Studios. Okay, here we go. This one's another pretty long one, clocking in a little over 40 minutes. All right, so we're going to... I always love this. You get a cliffhanger, but then you see the... You replay the last minute of the previous episode's cliffhanger. This is awesome. Immediately. Oh, my God. Come on. He's insulted that it's just some girl. I guess. Kate Bishop. <laughs> the world's greatest archer. You're a kid. I'm not sure how old, um, actually, um, Haley's Kate Bishop is supposed to be in this one. Um, she's 24 in real life. She's definitely not supposed to be 17 pitch perfect age. I think maybe, but they talk about school, so... You know, she clearly looks like an adult now, um, unlike uh, movies as recent as a couple of years ago, like Edge of Seventeen. Um, and so, here's the, the, the uh, Matt Fraction art from the classic Kate Bishop comics that they're drawing from. All right, here's her telling the story. Uh, so, she's an open book. She wants to tell him everything possible. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, she's already trying to learn from him, uh, you know, casing the, the environment, casing the situation. I really held my own. Right, so she's always bragging, but she's got hero worship, and she's trying to learn from him, but she's very sensitive to him, not wanting to be, as she said in the most recent episode, partner slash best friends. I mean, this is the thing Haley Seinfeld could do so well. I think it's playing well with audiences, which is she's right on the border, or maybe over the border, of being annoying, uh, especially with this hero worship thing she's got. Um, but she's just so lovable. There's Pizza Dog. Um, she's just so lovable and so hilarious uh, that you just go along with it. At least I hope you're going along with it. Not my dog. Right? Just like she's not his friend. I just thought of that. I wonder if, if her, uh, you know, claiming not to like or care about the dog, but actually does is a mirror of how he feels and or is talking and or is acting about and towards her. Totally cool. Stay totally cool. She's trying to keep her shit together. This is hilarious. This is really funny. Right. This is one of his safe houses or whatever. Right. The suit. Uh, uh, right. So she got the suit of the black market. The, the Ronin suit, which was so stupid and was causing the whole problem. Beat some guys up. <laughs> some late B and E. What is B and E? Oh man. Okay, so she's twenty two. There you go. Right. Why isn't she in school? Is a good question. She's getting the real education here. <laughs> I mean, she. You know. She has moments where she is calm, and, and when he is visibly upset, um, as they get to know each other, you're kind of my favorite Avenger. Um, you should see the other guys. Yeah. Uh, but normally, she just is totally manic around him, and, and she doesn't regret telling him everything. Of course, the fact that her life depends on him knowing everything also is factoring into it, but she would anyways, and she can't understand her 22-year-old hero-worship self, why he wouldn't just share everything with her. Um, and that's the brilliant thing of the next episode, episode three, with the huge arrow, uh, fest, arrow battle fest on the highway with him driving backwards, um, is to show her skill and bravery to a point where he does start to trust her. Right. This is this is a great flip. Classic uh, Marvel humor where they're, compl where they're completely serious. Everything seems to be 
by the book and then something stupid like my name's on the buzzer right she takes care of everything with the most obvious here we go uh oh here's the beginning of the jumpsuit gang these guys are sort of like the nihilists from Lebowski right So, uh, Kazi, who's the number two to Maya, the deaf woman who we'll meet next episode, uh, the good-looking guy who's, you know, clearly number two and the smartest of them, uh, is played by, um, an actor named Fra Fee, um, who I'd heard about mostly because, like, everyone that Haley works with that's around her age became obsessed with her and the project and, you know, just via Instagram and social media and so forth. Um, I, I kind of got to know his, his quirkiness. Uh, he is Irish, uh, which you would never know with his amazing American accent, um, and uh, um, you know he's quite a quite a, a um, you know I wouldn't say he's like highly in demand, but he was clearly an actor that they were going after for what seems like a secondary role. But because he's Maya's number two, and he has sort of a thing for her, and she's deaf and he can talk. Um, they wanted to, to cast the number two of the jumpsuit gang strongly. This guy is great with the beard. Uh, you know, at the end of this episode, they're going to capture the two of them and put them on the little uh, rocking ponies. This has already become a classic image. I remember when they filmed this, when I talked about covering this really heavily when it was out um, last winter, and there's tons of scenes of everything going on in the station here with the dog, which was awesome. Um, He's going to have to clean her wounds, uh, you know. Uh, he, uh, you know, part of the subtlety, and you have to understand his character, is he, because he's a family man, and she's just young enough to, and immature enough, of course, to be a kid, is he, you know, continually acts like he just wants her to go away and says for her to go away and means it at some level. But when she gets hurt and stuff or is in danger, he can't help but help her because, oh, the one-eyed dog, he's actually two-eyed in real life. Um, uh, you know, he can't have this young kid who he's partially responsible for all of this getting injured and not, you know, and not fix her up right. Um, but, uh, but anyways, uh, you know, she's, she's constantly playing a kind of new age therapist with him, getting him to open up and talk more and so forth. Not just because she wants to know all the secrets, but because she actually cares about him and can see that there's something wrong. And of course, she knows that he's a Ronin. Um, oh, just to circle back. So in episode four, we actually see Natasha in the death from Endgame. And then he talks about it. And I'm so glad they did it. And especially with the episode where um, uh, Yelena, her sister, um, who we knew was going to be in this and was going to come after him at least for a while. Um, uh, you know, who was so excellent. Really, a scene stealer, a movie stealer in Black Widow moving. Um, that we would actually see Natasha in the show. You had to do it. You know, we've had Loki and we've had, you know, Bucky and, and Sam uh, and we've had uh, um, Lizzie, Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch, all of whom are Avengers and have been Avengers um, or Loki, you know, associated with the Avengers. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But this is one of the original Avengers. And what happened to Natasha with him there? Um, other original Avenger, um, and, you know, the two of them being the heart of the team along with Cap, you had to do it. You couldn't just talk about her. You had to show, you had to show her, at least briefly. Um, but we are not there quite yet. Yeah, they keep moving to different hideouts and places, uh, unclear where they are. Again, uh, as I talked about in the first one, the minutia of the plot itself, I, I don't really know what's going on. Uh, but it's mostly just because I'm so focused on the performances and the filming and, and, and everything, and the production. Stay here, lock this door. All right. Yeah, right. She keeps not staying here. Uh, you know, I've compared her to Barbara Gordon, for sure, and a little bit of Jessica Jones with the attitude, but she's got a little Siri from The Witcher, you know? I mean, uh, you know... She has these older idols that she worships, but every chance she gets to run away or jump into action that she doesn't belong to. Uh, you know, we see that with Rey, of course, and Ahsoka. Oh, Ahsoka was the one. I was thinking about how um, uh, the similarities with Ahsoka Tano um, and Kate Bishop here, um, with him being sort of Anakin slash Obi-Wan, and we're talking about the Clone Wars, and, you know, this little tidy Jedi who is powerful, but she's little and tiny and young, always rushing headlong into battle ahead of the clones, 
side of the armies wanting to save the universe, you know, um, and, uh, now, what I realized after four episodes of this, starting here, is that these two actually spend quite a long, uh, quite a, a bunch of time uh, apart, at least in the first couple episodes, and they're having to sell their relationship a little bit faster than I think they would like uh, with just six episodes, and they're also having to sell, we don't n- need to sell background uh, on Hawkeye, and he's acting exactly how Clint Barton would act after everything he's gone and done and been through before, during, and after the blip, um, you know, as I call it, the snap. Um, uh, and so, you know, while Vera Farmiga as mom and the Jack character, uh, a sketchy boyfriend and stuff, possible suspect and, you know, all of that is giving some personal uh, background to, uh, to to Kate. It's mostly being sold through Haley's great performance and, you know, one of the big cliches of, of uh, you know, oh, the LARPing. All right, so LARPers become like their source for stuff because while they're big nerds they're mostly like security people and they actually know how to fight um and they have real costumes and weapons and stuff so you know renner larping in this is just absolutely classic and again all these little plot bits i just still can't put together how a leads to b leads to c um and i think that we we are um the showrunners are purposefully um, throwing us for a loop and throwing us for a spin because in some different ways and some similar ways, these two's lives are going through a tailspin right now. Kate's more aware of it, although she can't control it. It's like she can't control herself. Um, multitasking. This is great. Just seeing her in the purple sweatshirt with scars on her face holding a frozen cheese pizza to her head. Or a love sandwich. This is, this is always great. And, and, you know, as great as the action scenes are and the comedy, it's, you know, all of this time waiting for this to happen, not sure that it would, and then being filmed, but then having to wait forever to come out, is really ultimately for these just dialogue between these two characters as they grow together um, in their relationship. Uh, and there's a diner one, you know, coming up. Uh, I don't know. Is that in this episode? Um, where they talk more about the Ronin, and you can kind of see on her face and he's cleaning her up. She doesn't know how to do it. Rich girl. He hasn't been in major fights until now. Um, but these just sitting down and talking to each other, and this is the this is the one time where she's not totally manic. Even though she'll draw, you know, costumes for him and talk about branding and and all of this stuff, and, you know, uh, she actually kind of calms down and is addressing him like a human being. And when he really pays attention to what's going on, he forgets that she's just a twenty-two-year-old spoiled kid. Um, and maybe, you know, and this is the key to all of Hanley's characters, whether it's Edge of Seventeen or, or Dickinson, is that, you know, she can act out and be very immature in some ways, or appear to be very immature, but when she, when, when she focuses uh, on life and other people, uh, or when she's able to do so, um, and actualizes it, she can actually, uh, uh, yeah, she's already... Already wondering what's really going on behind those Renner eyes. She can really relate to people and wants to relate to people. And, uh, you know, the change of, of tone, the fact that he's always kind of acting the same as just troubled and, you know, really tense inside. You know, my dad, who has seen all the Avengers movies and likes Renner, uh, was not quite sure what to think of him and thought his personality was like bland or boring um, after a few episodes. Um, but I think most people who have seen the Avengers movies, you know, because when he talks to his family, he's so smiley and emotional. He's laughing. He's crying. Um, but you can just tell, uh, you know, he knows what he did was so horrible, even though at the time he thought he'd never see his family again and the world was ending. Um, and he had nothing left. He went back to his assassin roots as the Ronin. He certainly, at some level, maybe regrets killing those people. Um... Uh, but I think it's actually more like Arrow, which I haven't talked about, the Green Arrow, uh, Oliver Queen Arrow um, from the CW in the comics, which is he regrets what it is doing to the people he loves and to his soul. Um, 
you know, he's killed a lot of horrible people. He's killed some people who aren't so super horrible. This is great that they got the older daughter, Lila, um, to come back. Obviously, Linda Cardellini, who I've already talked about, and I'm thrilled we keep getting her at least on the phone. But Lila, you know, it's such a memorable part of the very first scene of Endgame after not seeing... uh, uh, in Infinity War, after not seeing Renner, uh, Hawkeye at all, they st- really smartly, the Russos start Endgame with him and his family and showing what happens with the blip that none of them see coming. He's practicing with the bow, with the daughter Lila there, and then all of a sudden the family's gone. Why are they practicing sign language? Does his son have hearing problems? And I don't know where Hawkeye's hearing problems come from. Again, yeah. I love I love the older daughter because he tells his wife everything, you know. I mean, she's even like doing like computer research for him at some point. Uh, but you know, going back to the Rogers musical, what I loved was, of course, you would get eye rolling <laughs> in almost horror. At, you know, putting Rogers in the musical. Oh, Lila, this girl's killing him. But but the fact that they were showing uh, her and just the family watching the Rogers musical and just confused and, uh, you know, can't, can't believe, uh, you know, because they know Captain America and they know the Avengers. And so he might not be telling Lila all the secrets the way he tells his wife and the way he'll start to tell Kate Bishop, but she's old enough and smart enough to know. She's the older do- oldest kid um, and old daughter. And uh, she can smell it. And, you know, uh, there was a thought, um, because when Endgame came out, um, it was before the Haley Steinfeld rumors. Um, uh, the rumors started shortly after, like a few months after Endgame came out in 2019. Um, and as I mentioned in the last very long, but for a few of us, we really latched onto it and was like, oh, this has to happen somehow. And luckily it did. Uh, but there was a thought that his daughter Lila might end up being uh, the Kate Bishop character because she, she already looked like a great young actress and she was a little young, but she was shooting the bow and arrow and so forth. Um, but having, you know, you know, he would never talk to his daughter this way. Um, but, but Kate Bishop being 22, um, is, is old enough, um, and as mostly a stranger until now, that he can treat her, he can condescend to her, but only half of the condescension is because of her age. Um, the other half of the condescension is because she's a quote-unquote wannabe superhero. He's trying to de-superhero himself, which includes erasing his past as the murderous Ronin. Um, but anyways, my point being, uh, my, my dad's kind of an old guy who watches lots of TV, uh, and so, you know, he's not following the Avengers super closely, but this is exactly how Clint Barton would act, and the fact that he's kind of emotionless, but you can see him nodded inside, you can see how tied up uh, in pain his soul is, uh, again, like, um, uh, you know, Oliver Queen, um, played by Stephen Amell in The Arrow on The CW, Oh, here's, oh, this is great. Uh, we see Ultron. We see, here's Endgame. He's thinking about all the big battles from the Avengers movie. That's so cool. You know, they just realized, unlike the Defenders, especially having these shows around the Avengers themselves. Oh, this is great. I heard about this joke ahead of time, the Katniss Everdeen. Uh, little known fact um, that I did not know until um, uh, right before this series was that Hilly Steinfeld actually, be, although well younger than Jennifer Lawrence, or somewhat younger than Jennifer Lawrence, tried out for Katniss Everdeen and finished second. Um, you know, for all the problems of the Hunger Games movies, it's obvious that Jennifer Lawrence was, was you know, the right pick or a right pick. Haley would have done better, uh, in my opinion, because she always commits more. Um, but I'm glad that she didn't because she was able to do her superhero thing with a much better property that's going to last much longer and be A-level quality, unlike the increasingly not-good Hunger Games movies. But she finished second, supposedly, to... Um, uh, uh, to Jennifer Lawrence, um, and the way they do her hair and the way she shoots the bow coming up, especially in the next episode, there are some shots where she actually looks quite like Jennifer Lawrence. 
um, you know, Haley's beautiful and she's got the cheekbones, but she also has a little bit of a, a roundish um, face that's very cute. Um, and those big eyes, and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can point it out. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't expecting more than sort of thematic connections between Jennifer Lawrence's Katniss um, and Hinley as Kate Bishop. Oh man, look, she's just killing with the acting. Uh, you know, she immediately. Oh, anyways, oh, just to finish that thought, there are actually some shots where she physically looks like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, and you could see why they were going head-to-head for the role. Um, you know, I've talked about this in past podcasts, i talked about it in the first commentary, but again, I think it's important to point out that we have never seen, even Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson, we've never seen Kevin Feige, the head of the MCU, pursue an actor so publicly, so long, and so hard um, as he did Haley Steinfeld. And not only that, but he went on the press tour, but like wasn't even sitting in the front row of the seats. He just wanted to be there and always refers to her as the amazing Haley Steinfeld, the spectacular Haley Steinfeld, talking about how lucky they were. I, of course, agree. And, you know, my whole thing was they, they need her because as great as Elizabeth Olsen is, and Tatiana is going to is going to be amazing. Tessa Thompson is an excellent actress. We got Natalie Portman coming back, but even like you know the Thor team isn't going to be around forever. Um, and not only that, but when you lose Chris Evans, obviously is just the best as as Steve Rogers. We all love Chris Evans. We're going to miss Captain America. We already miss him. Bucky and Sam are a lot of fun. Tom Hiddleston is deliciously fun as Loki, um, but, you know, he's he's not able to flex full Tom Hiddleston uh, with Loki because Loki is somewhat limited in dimensionality. That's sort of the point of his character. Um, here's where the lies begin. Um, one of the clues about Jack uh, being a bad guy is he gets increasingly calm and familiar with her and begins making excuses like he's defending her and being on her side. Right, she both desires my approval once to set from boundaries. Um, the other thing they do great is him being a foreigner. He uses a bunch of aphorisms and sayings and gets them wrong, which is kind of cute and endearing. She's already trying to... Money well spent. And so, it's sort of like, you know, when you're a foreigner in another country, you might... Um, you You can sort of hide behind your um your foreignness and your lack of understanding the language even if you do kind of get what they're saying in order for you to kind of get out of some weird situations um i'm not explaining this very well meaning uh, you know jack is probably using these uh sayings uh incorrectly on purpose um, in order to throw everyone, especially Kate, off the trail. Um, it's like lying, right? If you want to... Oh, here's the LARPers. This is a great scene. So you guys can just watch this because this is just a super fun scene um, that, you know, only role models has attempted this. And, you know, I don't think anyone will ever do it better than the role models movie with Paul Rudd and so forth. Uh, but they do a good job here. And... Uh, this is important, actually, because he does have fun against all of him, try, all of his, you know, curmudgeonliness, uh, trying not to have fun. There's the Ronin suit. Um, somehow ended up here, uh, uh, where the, the kid who used to fight in the final battle, or the young man who fight in the final battle, says, please just let me kill you, I'll give you the suit. Uh, but I just, you know, for my pride, it's going to be great for my reputation with the LARPers, blah, blah, blah. And he sort of makes uh, Clint admit that he had fun and that he's glad that he came. Um, and it's important that he has these other experiences in life now where he can reclaim some of his humanity. That's not just when his family's not around and he's you know covered in darkness internally and externally with the Ronin legacy, um, that he still can have a good time. Ultimately, you know, will play towards him grudgingly occasionally have a good time or just be more human and open with with kate um no and this again is a case of i don't care the logistics of how he got here and why they have the ronin suit but but the fact that they communicate that he's starting to feel 
uh, human again and enjoying dumb things, um, which is, you know, you can't really, you can't go through life just waiting for huge epic events, partially because they don't happen very often and partially because they don't usually live up to it. You need to have fun with little dumb everyday things. And while this is a very weird dumb everyday thing to a lot of people, um, it's because he is a fighter, but he gets to play fight here, uh, you know, it, 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 um, it speaks to his, you know, his combatness, his combat trading, but he has to then purposely be bad and he's fighting with a sword. It's just absolutely great. My point being is, you know, while this is a funny scene and somehow the Ronin suit ended up here, I love it because of the character building it does. They definitely took from role models in really taking seriously <laughs> to the extent that they, you know, you can without losing sight of how ridiculous this is, uh, to, you know, with the music and the slow motion and so forth and everyone really acting out the deaths like this is a scene from Vikings. Look at it. This is great. I mean, if you had blood splurting everywhere and you didn't have the LARPing setup, you would almost think this is a scene from Vikings. It's absolutely hilarious. You know, he's acting nonplus. He's taking down everyone. There's a little bit of a smile, or he just has something in his eyes. He bumps into somebody. Oh, this is great. I, I like, almost fell off my chair when I saw this. There's the running suit. I'm a Viking, right? I don't care. This guy's great. Yeah, it's great because, you know, everyone ultimately recognizes him, but it's not like the Hulk, obviously, or Thor, but it's also not like Captain America, who is, you know, a symbol, you know, it's almost like a god, you know, watching over America and the world. Um, people have sort of general hero worship for Hawkeye being an Avenger, but he's not, you know, a celebrity uh, to the level that, that Steve Rogers was. Um, and that's part of why they did the musical about him. This is great. Let me kill you. This guy's so sweet. He, he, he not for a second is trying to rob him of, of the suit. Or, or, you know, he's not for a second trying to keep from Hawkeye something that clearly Hawkeye needs. All he wants to do is right, make it look real. Oh, man. And what's great is they do a back to the LARPers. And, and, you know, Kate Bishop, being too cool for nerds, uh, you know, is rolling her eyes, as we're going to see. But then when we meet her again, she's hanging out with the LARPers, and she, like, knows their names, and she's, like, you know, all into it. That's the thing, is, you know, this is the, the other bad girl connection here. Um is, you know, she just gets enthusiastic about everything she gets involved with, especially when it's human things, good people, humanistic stuff, um, whether it's on the case, off the case, or a bit of both like it is here. She just can't help but, you know, be effusive uh, uh, towards other people. Right, I don't know where this is going with the policeman again, other than just kind of scaring her. Here's Jack. Um, episode four is the one where he really is just so romantic with, with mom in a way that's very, very convincing. And after being humbled by the events of this episode and the next couple episodes um, and getting closer to, uh, to Clint, actually sits there and watches Jack and, and his mom being happier than she's been since her dad died. And she almost starts to believe. Then, of course, later we find out, that, at least according to Hawkeye's investigations, that he is dirty or might be involved. So Kate can't be that surprised. Here we go. Drink the potion. Yeah. What I love is, it, you know, it turns out that a lot of these people are, uh, you know, first responders types. Um you know, these are mostly adults, or all adults. These aren't, you know, in, in, in role models, it's very specifically awkward teenagers. Um, what role models did was one of the first things on screen where, you know, being a nerd wasn't the joke. Um, in fact, you know, it was not being able to let go of yourself um, that was uh, the problem for for um, for Paul Rudd. Um, oh, lets him take him down. 
doesn't sell it amazingly, <laughs> but they fought at least long enough. <laughs> Look at the music is all. This is great. The music is all dramatically sad, and he's acting sad. Yeah, it's all all an act for him. Of course, he gets the suit immediately. Here's a great exchange. This is it. This is the beginning. I love that it's not Kate, but it's this guy. Killing my countrymen will still for many years to come. Right. It's this guy who starts to bring back the, uh... I can call you Clint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's never been totally comfortable being a superhero, and especially after Ronan and what happened to Natasha. Right. Best day of my life. I really owe you one. He's starting to smile. Is Clint? Come on, you did have fun, right? Said this guy. Clint? Glad I did it. Yep. So Renner has a very naturalistic, almost mumbling way of talking when these kind of characters. I'm Grills. Nice to meet you, Grills. Right. Barton, finally, finally smiling a bit. Oh, yes, Linda Cardellini. We're getting Linda in like almost every episode. Flight insurance. Right, Lara. God, she looks, you know, she's got some smile creases, a total natural beauty. Thank God she's done no work on herself, doesn't need to. She still looks young and vibrant. Uh, I love her. I know she was in ER for a while, which isn't a small role. Um, but, you know, after Freaks and Geeks, which I watched much after, later after it aired, you'd think she would become a huge superstar. Doesn't always happen. But I remember watching Age of Ultron the first time, and the family thing was a big surprise, and it was an awesome surprise, you know, for, for me. And I continued to love as one of my favorite parts of Ultron, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, but the fact that it was Linda Cardellini, I just remember my jaw dropping. I hadn't thought of her in forever. I was like, oh my god, this is the perfect role because she can deliver the Avengers-style humor. Uh, you know, uh, one of Nat's old moves. Oh, she loved Nat too. Auntie Nat. Auntie Nat. Yeah, she loved his family. She loved his family as much or more than him. Which is part of why she sacrificed. Send me back here, right? Time to set myself caught. I really like that this is a Hawkeye episode. This was important. I mean, we still get tons of, of Kate. Oh, is this, uh... Is this where they fence? Have they not fenced then? Agitate it. He's, he's really mocking her. He says, the secret to risotto is to agitate it. Patience and attention looking at mom. Agitation looking at... I mean, this guy is great. Yeah. Almost too good to be true. He, of course, acts like, yeah, I, you know. So anyways, as I was saying before, when you're trying to sell a lie, you want to get as close to the lie as possible without revealing the big thing. And that actually includes some other lies which don't need to be said um, or are small, stupid lies. So, for example, rather than act overly humble when she says stuff like, too good to be true, better to play into the, like, a suave, full of myself you know, Latino or European or whatever he is, you know, international man of mystery, and, you know, be like, well, yes, I am kind of too good to be true, because that's annoying and incredibly egotistical, but it deflects from the fact that, uh, of, uh, deflects from the accusation itself that's barely under the surface. Uh, right, she talks about epes and foils and so forth. That's awesome. Um... You know, it, it's great that she is an awesome hand-to-hand -hand fighter, um, and uh, w what we get to also do with Clint um, in the Hawkeye series here that we don't get much in the Avengers, because you know Hulk's punchy punchy, Thor's got the hammer, is punchy punchy, Cap is punchy punchy, Natasha's guns, and the super suit with Tony. We don't really need Hawkeye to do much more other than crazy arrows and, and trick arrows with trick arrows and trickiness with the arrows. Um, but here with the ground level street stuff in New York, oh, they got the fencing suit on. She's slightly nervous or something. It's interesting. He's more than happy to do this. And she's, this is, he's not revealing anything verbally. So she's hoping, you know, um, uh, you know, there's a line from, uh, you know, in The Matrix Reloaded, when Neo is going to go meet the, the Oracle, he first runs into uh, Seraph, who we had not met before, um, who, of course, becomes a big good guy um, in The Matrix sequels. Let me turn this down a little bit. 
right? He's overly complimentary. She says, don't let me win. Um, and, you know, Seraph fights Neo. And he's like, after they fight for a while, and Neo can hold his own against Seraph, who, you know, is glowing inside the Matrix code. So he's obviously a super programmer, something that, you know, Neo has run across before. Um, which would make sense for the person who's the bodyguard of the Oracle. And, he's, you know, after they fight for a while in the little Chinese restaurants, you know, Seraph says, puts his hand up and stops and says, good. Uh, and he says, I had to make sure. And, and Neo says, make sure of what? And Seraph says, that you were the one. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves just goes, well, you could have just asked. And Seraph says, no, he's, cl- right, he's clearly letting her win. Uh, and she's... Th- Right now, she really goes after him to make sure, you know, yeah, he's like she can tell that he's lying because he was fighting, pretending that she was much better. But then she sneaks in almost a killing blow there to force him to do what you know. When she's confident that he's able to, which is to be a great fencer. So now she's seeing this all as lying. Um, and uh, what I really like about the writing of of this trio here. Um, one is that her mom is getting annoyed with her, um, but she's more getting annoyed with Kate because of her other antics, uh, the fighting and, and the fire and the whatever's going on with Hawkeye. Um, but she, you can tell that Vera Farmiga is sympathetic and that she would be suspicious or just disliking the first major man in her life since her dad, who she clearly loved, as we saw in uh, Edge of Seventeen. Um, but anyways, you know, Seraph says to Neo, you know, Neo says you could have just asked, and Seraph says, no, you don't truly know a man until you fight him, um, and in that case, it has to do with the Matrix, you know, that, you know, only someone with the powers of the one who could bend the Matrix and fight that well could, you know, could keep up with someone like Seraph, um, uh, but the wider lesson is, um, that you can you can sort of tell the personality both how someone fights how good they are are they going all the way um are they holding back and that's sort of what you know kate's strategy was here she was getting nothing from him verbally from the table so she tries to do it via fighting um and uh what um and can you that's not what i like about this writing is that you know, one, she's doing all of this accusational stuff in front of him. He's not letting it bother him, which of course could be him rolling with the lie and being confident of the lie, or just under actually not being a bad guy. I still think it's a misdirect that he's a bad guy. Sorry for scaring you to telling the truth. Smart as a whip, this one. Not letting it bother him. Um, but that, you know, if he does turn out to be the bad guy that she thinks she's right, but for the wrong reasons. You know, it's not the sketchiness of how he talks. Oh, here's the butterscotch. I still can't figure out why she gets freaked out by the butterscotch. And why it seems that he is subtly conveying to her that he is the mustache twirling bad guy that she thinks. I don't know. I'm very confused about this character, but he's putting in such an excellent performance that I'm just rolling with it. He's not giving away anything on the face. He's totally screwing with her. But it might just be because she's fun to screw with and easy to screw with. He just likes butterscotch. (laughs) That smile. Yeah. So, I can't believe that we're almost... We're almost done with that. Right. So, he's got the costume to clear her name. Now, the fact that nobody continues to put together that he's Ronin... Oh, especially because in Endgame, we see him without the mask. Um, But I guess, you know, the whole idea was just that if he can get the costume, I think the idea is, you know, people, whether you're a good guy or bad guy here, you know, no one wants to believe or no one can believe that someone like Hawkeye, All-American Avenger, it's like, you know, it's like imagining that Captain America was a murderer, you know? You just can't see it. Now, you know, they don't know his past 
as someone who went after people like Black Widow. Now, of course, we'll hear, uh, it's so great the way they finally bring in Natasha in a couple episodes, where he says the best arrow ever fired was the one I didn't. I knew immediately that he was talking about Natasha when he recruited her to S.H.I.E.L.D. and away from the Black Widow program or whatever, the KGB. Um, but uh, the, the, the fact, the bottom line is, they so much more easily believe that this young girl would be Ronan uh, than, you know, than someone who has the profile from a fighting standpoint, like Hawkeye, because he's an Avenger. And while the Avengers have screwed up and done things like created Ultron and, you know, and, and so forth, you know, ultimately people may like them, people may be afraid of them, but them being murderers doesn't seem to be part of their profile. They, of course, don't know that his family was gone during the blip. Um, and part of the reason we know that they don't know is because Kate asks later um, and has a suspicion. This is so great. This is so great because he's yet again about to save her and clear her name. Because, you know, I mean, the situation is so funny because he's trying to clear his name, but she keeps putting herself in front of him. This guy's great. He starts unloading about his his uh, wife problems to her in the next episode. Yeah, he's very sensitive. I love when the bad guys have personalities, you know? You are not Hawkeye. Well, I... Um, but so he has to clear her before he can clear himself, but she keeps putting herself in front of him. So he's constantly at least two steps away from clearing himself. She's about to jump through. I'm going to turn this down. This is great that she just comes right through the ceiling. It's also like Arrow, you know, like, like it's like every building in Star City on the CW Arrow show is made of glass just so he can jump through the glass dramatically, you know. And here they are in a hideout. Oh, there's Kazi, the Irish guy. He's really, really good. Um, and good-looking, as Kate comments later, that he's hot. Oh, he already untied himself. He's going to do it again. I'd like to speak to your boss, which is Maya. Uh, but Kate, you know... You know, Kate, even once Kate figures out that he's Ronan, she wants to defend him even more. She gets mad at him because he tries to push her away and she comes right through the ceiling. Look at Renner's reaction. Oh my god. <laughs> he, bro, I found her. He can't even be surprised. Here she is, full outfit. <laughs> he's just annoyed. I didn't realize we're supposed to bring guns. Oh, Kate Bishop. There, she there. She looks just like Jennifer Lawrence with that smile, just like J Law, who just had a baby. Congratulations, Jennifer Lawrence. It just died to the ponies. Don't talk. Oh my God, this is great. It's great too because they start off as partners. No, we're not partners. Start off as friends. No, I wouldn't describe us as friends. And then later she describes them as partners slash best friends. Here's Maya. This deaf woman's amazing. We knew that there was going to be an Echo show spinning off from this, so the deaf character Echo might be linked to Wilson Fisk. Certainly is going to be the link to the Defenders. Now we do have confirmation as of December 10th that Charlie Cox is the Daredevil, and we're going to be getting more Daredevil. And so my whole thing about this being the reboot of the Defenders verse seems to be right on track, which I'm thrilled about. Um, and we get her backup story, uh, her backstory, beginning of next episode. She's excellent. Very, very good. Uh, bridging episode was that. Um, uh, as I was saying, it was great that we got them up. We, we got the meeting at the beginning and trapped together at the end with the cliffhanger. But in between, we had a lot of individual character building, which was important because even in six episodes, it can't just be buddy stuff the entire time because they're in such different places in their lives. Uh, by the way, it's implied heavily that um, both Kate and her mom did not disappear during the blip. Um, Maybe they said it specifically, but it's at least heavily implied, um, which was important um, so that she was around uh, when Ronan was, was going on. 
Um, now, Rodin was happening, I believe, all over the world, not just in New York. But he killed the wrong person, specifically Maya's dad. Well, I'm not quite sure why Maya's dad was killed, and that drove her to crime, I suppose. I think there's a lot more to that story than we already have. Um, that's a great middle episode. Um, the highlight, of course, is the LARPing um, with uh, with Clint, um, but also Kate's, you know, uh, uh, very transparent, uh, and, you know, like epically transparent investigation into uh, Jack, the, the mom's boyfriend. There's Linda Cardellini's, what does it say, special guest? Oh, wait, let me see. I wanted to see what that says. Special guest star Linda Cardellini and Vera Farmiga. That's great. Kevin Feige production. Another another excellent job there. And, uh, oh boy, um, it's late here, but I might have to do episode 30 because it is one of the coolest action scenes ever. Um, you know, Hawkeye with the arrows, you know, has some ex- such cool moments, of course, in the Avengers movies. Um, but now that we have two archers, and it's just about the archers on the ground level, we really get to flex. Um, and the fact that he has to be the one to drive and she has to be the one to shoot with all the trick arrows is the perfect way to do it. And that's her, like, full-on Peter Parker nerding out and, and, and her and her heroes, her personal heroes. Um, and, and, but also how she can concentrate. Um, but we also have the pump-up speech at the beginning of the next episode. It's not as dramatic quite yet as um uh you know just the you know in my opinion the best single scene part of ultron and one of my favorite parts of any of the mcu is his speech to the scarlet witch when she's really scared when sokovia's flying and the robots and so forth um and uh you know he says the city's flying and i got a bow and arrow there's an army of robots i don't know what the hell's going on he's like you know if you want to stay here i can get your brother and i'll come pick you up but you go out there and you fight to kill you're an avenger and we don't know what she's gonna do she still looks scared he goes out he's about to get killed by the robots and that's the classic scene of the double doors opening and wanda full unleashing of wanda's powers for the first time um and she never really looks back uh from there uh as her power levels grow. So, anyways, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to take a break, and uh, I'll try and get to, um, I will definitely get to episode three and four as soon as possible and get those out to you. Really appreciate you joining me. Just love watching these two and the great supporting cast, and uh, it really gets better each episode. I didn't know if, if, if the most recent one, episode four, could be better than three uh, but because of the awesome arrow battle on the highway, um, but for character reasons, it, it actually is um, the best episode of the series so far, and I've heard that episode five, which is coming out in a little under a week, um, as of this recording, is going to destroy the internet, which I think is Wilson Fisk, is coming, the, 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 the kingpin. Um, uh, or maybe we get some actual Scarlett Johansson flashbacks, like new scenes or so forth. Um, but, uh, you know, it was six episodes in introducing someone like Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. They got to go all out. So thank you for joining me. Hope you all are well. You've been great. I've been the Bizzle. May the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.